This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. I want to talk now particularly about the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. Uh, we've talked about gifts to individuals and so on, but of course uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in individuals is always coordinated uh, with his work in the church and uh, in a sense, if you like, subordinate to it. I mean, we've talked about this question before, um, the relationship between the individual and the community and how difficult this can be. Uh, you can't have a community without individuals. Um, but uh, if, you, if the individuals take over, uh, that's the end of the community, <laughs> you know, so you have to be careful about this. Um, but if we, we, we think in terms of the Holy Spirit's overall plan and the way he works, um, there are, I think, four things, four aspects um, of his work uh, in uh, constituting the church as a vehicle for promoting salvation, for promoting the message of salvation. The first, of course, and most fundamental, is in constituting the church, bringing the church into being. Uh, we've already seen, of course, that uh, this happens at Pentecost to begin with, um, and Pentecost, as I pointed out earlier, has to be understood in the light of the ascension of Christ, that it is the risen, ascended, glorified Christ who sends his spirit at Pentecost. In other words, uh, the Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a function of the reign of Christ, um, Christ the King reigning in glory. Those things cannot be separated. Uh, and if you try, uh, you're going to get into big trouble over that. The tongues of fire which descended on those in the upper room in Jerusalem at that time represent two things. Uh, first of all, they represent cleansing. Fire is purifying. Um, and this is needed, of course. It is purifying uh, to bring out the, 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 the gold, uh, you know, separate the gold from the base metal that surrounds it. Um, uh, so uh, the, the, the fire does this. That's one aspect. And, of course, empowering. Uh, the fire is power. Uh, and these two things go together, that the Holy Spirit comes to cleanse and to empower uh, his people. This is part of the, 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 the constituting uh, work uh, of the church. And uh, we need to remember this because the, the church, and indeed individual Christians, only see and experience and, and participate in the power of the Spirit as they are purified. This does not mean to say, of course, that we're perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's not the point. But um, if we are not being purified, if we are not being cleansed, if we are not being um, corrected and disciplined uh, in our lives, then there's no way uh, that, the, the, that we are going to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Um, you know, those two things are, are, are uh, together as seen in the tongues of fire. You know, that is a very important aspect. The Holy Spirit also unites people in the church, brings people together 
um, without compromising or destroying their diversity. And we see this at the day of Pentecost as well, because when Peter gets up and speaks to the, the people, Peter has one message. I mean, we don't, well, we do know what he said because it's recorded in Acts. Um, but the, the, it's also recorded that the people who listened heard, each one heard in his own language. Uh, so the interesting thing is, you see, that the, uh, the tongues of fire at Pentecost, apparently, from what we can gather, Peter and the apostles did not speak in foreign languages. They didn't, you know, they, they were speaking in their own language. But others heard uh, in their own language. It was the hearing rather than the speaking. Um, or so it would seem from the text. I mean, it's difficult to, um, uh, to, to know precisely what was going on. Um, but this is, again, a, a, an important thing because the Christian church is not a nation in the way that the Jews are. Um, nothing would have been easier than for the church to constitute itself in that kind of way you know, to set up a, a, another nation, a human society. But they did not. Um, and never have. Uh, and to this day, the church does not recognize um, language or culture uh, or things like this as a barrier. Now, of course, there are practical considerations. You have to... Um, uh, you know, you have to uh, conduct your worship in a, in a language that people understand. Um, you have to provide for this and so on. And this may mean having different congregations uh, in order to cater for people like this. But this is a practical necessity, not a doctrinal principle. Um, and, uh, you know, we, need, we, need, we must remember this, uh, that... Uh, any suggestion that one nation or people or tribe or whatever is somehow more loved by God than somebody else um, has to be completely rejected. Uh, we, we cannot accept this. Um, you know, uh, God does not have favorite nations. Um, and uh, we don't realize this, you see, uh, uh, sometimes, and we don't see how, how important this can be. Um, I mean, it's one thing to pray for God to guide your country and, and its leaders and so on. I mean, we, we pray for this. Um, but the notion that your country or my country or somebody else's country is specially chosen by God, um, I mean, that's a completely different thing. Uh, you know, we, we, can't, we can't agree with that um, because uh, God doesn't love uh, one group more than, more than somebody else, um, you know. Uh, and, and, and it's important. Pentecost is a reminder of this. The Holy Spirit, of course, is also the source of every gift, uh, of every office, of every uh, position uh, within the church. It ultimately goes back to him. He is the, the guiding and governing principle behind these things. And this, too, we have to remember um, that if I am called to a particular uh, uh, function within the church, uh, I may be given this calling by uh, church authorities, you know, and they lay hands on me or something like that. Um, but ultimately, uh, it, is, it is a gift of the Spirit. And I have to uh, 
uh, to accept that and to recognize that, uh, and also accept, uh, for example, that uh, I may have a ministry in one context but not in another. I mean, to give you an example, um, I mean, I am an ordained priest of the Church of England, all right, and I have a, a license somewhere that, you know, to say this. I've got a piece of paper uh, that says this. Um, I am not licensed in the Episcopal Church in the United States um, for various reasons, but, I, you know, uh, I'm not. So I cannot go to the local church down the road here and barge in and say, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a priest, I want to minister. Even though the local priest down the road said, oh, anytime you want to just take a service here, you celebrate or whatever, you know, be my guest. And I just said to him, I said, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. I said, but, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not here for this purpose. I'm not, I'm not treading on your toes. I'm just not getting involved in this. And I don't feel bad about this. I don't feel deprived uh, or, or, or anything uh, of this kind. Uh, I just think, well, you know, this is the way things, this is the way things are ordered, uh, and I haven't got the right to do that. And different denominations, of course, work in different ways, but, but basically you have this sort of uh, control everywhere you go, you know. And it is important. Uh, and I'll give you an example of why it's important. You see, in the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul went around the place, I mean, what did he do? He, he'd go to some place that he hadn't been before, head straight to the synagogue, and stand up and preach, end up dividing the synagogue, uh, usually, and then going off with the ones who agreed with him and starting the church. Well, all right, that's what happened. You say to yourself, well, how was this possible? Well, it was possible because the synagogue didn't have an organization you know, an, a kind of accreditation system uh, whereby only certain people would be, would, you, know, you know what I mean, would be a, a permitted to preach and teach within the community. Well, all right, that's the way they operated back then, uh, fair enough. Today, the, the problem comes because Muslims function in the same way. Uh, you see, there's no central Muslim organization. The, Islam doesn't have a pope or, or even a, 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 a council of, of mosques or something, uh, you know, to sort of give, give an, an accreditation. So, um, you know, Sheikh Ali Baba uh, from, um, you know, Abu Dhabi or somewhere like that, I mean, it, this is absolutely true, can turn up in Fort Lauderdale tomorrow, never having been here before, you know, head down to the local mosque, wherever it is, and stand up and start preaching. And if he starts preaching jihad, uh, you know, and um, uh, you, you've got to abandon this wicked place of evil and, uh, you know, go off to Iraq and, 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 and shoot people and so on, well, there's nobody to stop him. Um, and this happens. I mean, this is not a joke. This is what goes on. Um, you know, in different places, because there's no control over this. And, uh, uh, you know, these, these people can wander around, and you can complain all you like, but you can't actually stop it.
You see, whereas in most churches, I mean, churches don't operate like, on the whole, don't operate like that. And uh, I mean, even, you see, like, let's say, uh, you know, somebody in Coral Ridge Church were, were suddenly to get up and start, you know, at, well, there was that man who wanted to burn the Koran, wasn't there, a few years ago, uh, and so on. Um, I mean, people people jump on the uh, on him. You know, they say, "Look, this is not a good idea." And um, you know, there's, there's the you know what I mean. There's, there's there's people who sort of stand up there and and, and really uh, try to stop this kind of thing. And I mean, this that poor pastor was a, an independent church, so there wasn't much you could do. But but this would never happen in a in a connectional church. I mean, if it was Presbyterian or Lutheran or or Episcopalian or Catholic or something. I mean. You know, there, there's, there are authorities constituted to stop this. And I think this is, this is part of the work of the Holy Spirit in constituting and preserving the church. Because even if sometimes these people might make mistakes and sometimes they may be heavy-handed and it may not, you know, be the right thing, better that they should, you know, have some kind of control than to let just any old thing happen. Um with goodness knows what consequences, you know. And ha being an ordained person myself, I mean, I can see that side of it, you know. Uh, I mean, I won't push myself on other people, and I don't expect other people to push themselves on me. If I'm invited, fine. If I'm not invited, I don't go. You know, I don't, I don't claim the right to be there or, or, or to interfere. And... Uh, and, and this is a, a, a discipline, you see, that we ha a self-discipline that we, we have to learn, and we have to learn it as part of the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't try to impose on, uh, on others uh, because that's their ministry, that's their service, and I have to respect that. Just as, you know, I don't stand up in the middle of church service and start speaking in tongues, interrupting somebody else. Uh, and having this sense of... Um, uh, you know, respect and, and, and that the Holy Spirit is in control and that means, in my case, keeping my mouth shut sometimes, you know. And of course the hardest thing is in my own home church where I do know what's going on and especially if I don't approve uh, of something. But self-control, learning, learning, learning to stop. That's my position. That's where I have to stop. But we all have to learn this. We all have to learn that we're, we're members of the body, that we are, are given a place in the body and not to um, step outside our, uh, our parameters, you see, our, our office, where we have been placed. Remember that God has other servants uh, and will raise up other people and that that is a good thing. You know, uh, I can't do everything, you can't do everything, uh, and just uh, to accept this uh, uh, with a good grace. Now, uh, that's the constitutive work. The preservative work is the next thing. The, the, the Holy Spirit who constitutes the church, who brings the church into being, also preserves it in being. And this again is very important. Uh, it parallels what God has done with the world. God has created the world and God has preserved, he preserves the world in being. Um, uh, you know, there are those who, who think that, uh, or who thought, it's not so much to think anymore, but uh, there was a time when people said, well, God created the world, 
and then he let it run according to its own natural laws. You know, these are people, these are the deists. I mean, people like Thomas Jefferson and so on, these, they were deists, you know. Um, they believed in a creator, uh, but not in a sustainer, uh, in a sustaining God, because they thought the world could, could operate on its own uh, rules. Very common that was in the 18th century. But we don't believe this, of course, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who, who brings the church into being, preserves it in being, um, by an ongoing work, uh, Christian growth, of course, in individuals, uh, instruction in the truth, I mean, keeping the right doctrine. Uh, there's so much in the New Testament about this. Guard the deposit, you know, Paul says to Timothy. Uh, keep the form of sound words. Teach what you have been taught. Hand on the message which you have been given. Time after time, you see, if anyone, uh, Paul writes to the Galatians, if anyone comes to you with a gospel different from the one I preached to you, let him be anathema. Um, getting the teaching right is essential. Uh, now we know this, we see this very clearly in other walks of life or in other contexts. Uh, for instance, we know uh, that uh, with computers, for example, uh, you know, if if you press the wrong button or do the wrong thing, the whole thing will collapse. It will all, you know, you could end up in all sorts of trouble. You need to get it right, and we know this. We we accept this with a car. Uh, you know, if there's if there's something in the car that's not working properly, it needs to be fixed because if you don't fix it, something could go very seriously wrong. So why is it that in the church so often, um, you know, we are less careful uh, about what we teach or don't teach? Uh, and uh, that we need to remember that our doctrine, our teaching, what is given to us in the scriptures is given for our learning, for our correction, for our discipline. And that if we neglect this, or if we overlook this, or if we say, oh, well, uh, you know, we've got to be tolerant, we've got to let somebody you know, uh, share their ideas, even if we think they're wrong, um, even if they are wrong uh, in some way. Um, this is not doing the work of the Spirit in the life of the church. You see, we are warned about this because it's so easy uh, to, uh, to go astray um, uh, with false doctrine. And false doctrine is seldom heresies. You see, the, the, the great thing about heresies, you study the heresies of the church uh, through the ages, and the wonderful thing about them is they're 90% true most of the time. You know. Um, heresies are not all wrong. This is the cleverness of them. Uh, they're true enough to be convincing, but wrong enough to take people uh, astray and blind them uh, to the truth. You see, this is, this, is, this is what constitutes a good heresy. Years ago, there was a spate of films um, about demon possession. You may have seen The Exorcist, The Omen, and so on. Well, I went to one, I went to see The Exorcist when it came out. This must be about 40 years ago now. 
And I walked out of that film and I said, that, that is a complete lie. This girl who was supposed to be possessed by a demon. And uh, what was the lie? Well, you know, she was spewing up frogs and things like this and, and, and had sort of strange markings on her face. In other words, she came across as somebody extremely unattractive. And I thought, that's the lie. Because the devil appears as an angel of light. You see, the devil makes himself look attractive. I mean, who's going to follow somebody who, who is, is totally repulsive? You know, you're not going to do that. And so the devil has no interest in presenting himself in this way. You know, um, he's going to present himself in a, 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 a in a clever sort of way, and one of the best ways, of course, is to claim the word love. You know, uh, if you if you love people, you tolerate them. Is the message you you let them do what they like. And uh, I mean, sometimes, of course, uh, this extends to little children. I mean, um, I have a sister who. Uh, somehow or other has got into the, uh, uh, the belief um, that you mustn't spank your children or discipline them or so this kind of thing, you see. Well, they're grown up now, but when they were little, my mother used to go and babysit from time to time. And, you know, my mother has never said a bad word about any of her children. She will not accept this one, this daughter. She doesn't so much say a bad word about her personally, but she goes around apologizing to everybody for her because she keeps saying, I didn't bring her up like this. You know, she didn't get this from me. And she'll say to my, she used to say to my sister, you cannot be like this, you know. You've, you, you've got to discipline your children, otherwise they will grow up like little monsters. And the poor kids, you know, when they were, when grandma used to come and, and babysit, they didn't like her. And one time my mother said, you know, she said, the kids, they said to me, said, why do you hate us? And, you know, and I said, what do you mean hate you? I said, well, you're always telling us what to do, you know, and telling us that we're wrong. And, and you know, that we, we, we've got to sort of do this and sit this way and eat our food like this and not watch television and, you know, all this kind. I said, you know, I said, you're, you're always stopping us from doing things. You must hate us. And my mother said, no, she said, I, she said, it's not hate. I don't hate you. She said, I love you. I said, and I want to make sure that when you grow up, you know, and go out into the world, that you're capable of living in it. Uh, you, you know, because the way you're carrying on right now, uh, this is a disaster. You see, this won't work. You see, my point is that love, you see, can be perverted in this way. You think that love is tolerance. Therefore, you let goodness knows what happen. And before you know it, um, you know you're in trouble because you've opened the door. Uh, and, and once you open the door, how do you shut it again? It's extremely difficult. And uh, we have to watch this because, of course, this is a, this is a very clever trick of the devil. Uh, you know, uh, you aren't going to discipline so-and-so, are you? Because, you know, that's not a very loving thing to do. Well, what is the loving thing to do? Um, uh, you know, how do you, how how do you deal with 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 things like this? And you, we all know this. We've all had experience of this. And sometimes, 
it may be your responsibility in a church meeting or something like that to stand up and say, we've got to do something about this. Uh, you know, because otherwise it won't work. I mean, to give an example, my home church, we have a school, all right? Well, our beloved pastor, my former student, didn't see anything wrong with hiring uh, a woman to head the school up who wasn't a churchgoer. I don't know if she had some kind of faith, but she certainly never went to church or had anything to do with that. So she took over the school. She was quite good at teaching and so on. I mean, she, you know, she did her job all right. But she basically alienated the school from the church. I mean, you know, she didn't come to the church. She wouldn't have anything to do with the church. She didn't let the church have anything to do with the school. And it was our school. And so finally, after several years, even our, 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 our beloved great leader realized that there was something wrong, you know, that you cannot allow this. And so now we have somebody who is, uh, you know, a, a member of the church, that tolerance, you see, he, he's kind of, well, you know, you have to let people trust people, let them do their, you know, and, and they'll, then they'll kind of come around and they'll cooperate and everything else. But this woman had nothing, I mean, she was a nice enough person, I suppose, in her own way, but she had no commitment, she had no understanding, she had nothing. She just thought the church was interfering in her business, um, you know, and sort of, sort of pulled out from this. And because we were so nice about it and so tolerant and everything else, we very nearly lost the school, uh, in, in effect. I mean, it was still our school, but, uh, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't teaching or doing what we would want it to do. Uh, and in the end, of course, the whole thing had to be cleared out, um, uh, you know, and reconstituted on a, on, a, on a different basis just to get back into where we were. And you look back, and it's all because people were too nice, um, you know, and, and, and you, can't, you really can't do that. Courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.